Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports. More than I thought we were going to have in the week in between NFL action, because mm-hmm. obviously this is the uh, media week of the NFL. Oh, so, yeah, and sports-wise, you, like, you just look, kind of look at the, the things on the surface. It's kind of quiet. NBA's in the regular season. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting close to the All-Star break. NHL was in their All-Star break. Got to say, though, kudos to the NHL. I did watch some of the uh, festivities before yes. we got to the actual All-Star game. Incredible to watch, especially when they were playing golf hockey. Yeah. That was hysterical. You know, but then the NFL's got their week off. You know, they're in the Pro Bowl. Baseball, kind of quiet. Their spring training hasn't started yet. You know, but yeah, for a quiet week, it's got a lot going on. Oh, there's a lot of noise to be had in the land of sports and gaming and all the fun stuff that we'd like to talk about on this edition of the ODPH and we definitely want to interact with you after the show. Pat, how's the easiest way to do it? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website. You go check out the social media links, and you interact there. We got them all up there. You check out the T Public Store. You go get some ODPH swag. It's always a great time of year to go get some. You check out the Patreon link. Shout out to all our amazing patrons. One tier, $2 a month, and a bonus episode coming your way. You want blogs? Parley Point section. You want friends of the show? Classified section, such as 3FN Podcast. You want music? Bam, it's right there. The directory. Pat, how many providers? Uh, 270,000. Sounds about right to me. So if it's anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can simply find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media, use the hashtag ODPHpod. But kicking off this edition of the show, we've got to talk some basketball. Yeah, we do. I'm super excited to talk about some basketball. It's been a little minute. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we always keep an eye on the Knicks and you know, we, we might be making some moves. We might not. It's that playoff push mm-hmm. going into the trade deadline. One team, though, <laughs> decided to shake everything up. Yeah. And before we go ranting about them, we have to talk about some good in the NBA. Yeah. And, Pat, take it away. Yeah, so, of course, LeBron James is now 34 points away from passing the great uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for number one on the NBA all-time uh, scores list, which is a feat I honestly did not think we'd see. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just a testament to LeBron's uh, ability and you know just his ability to, to score and maintain his, his level of play for 20-some-odd years now. But, yeah, uh, in theory, will happen when they play uh, it's either tonight or tonight. Tomorrow, I believe, uh, you know, it's it, the game's in L.A. Uh, it's on the West Coast. It's at 10 o'clock Eastern. It's going to be on TNT. Uh, so but yeah, in the next like 24, 48 hours, LeBron James will, in theory, you know, because nothing's ever guaranteed when you come to playing sports, uh, will become the number one uh, scorer in NBA history. You have to give him his due. I mean, ever since he debuted in the league in the 2003, 2004 season, mm-hmm. LeBron has been a mainstay. He's put up points no matter what season he's been in. I mean, take a look at his rookie year, 20.9. Mm-hmm. So he's been averaging. That was his lowest total, though, to date Yeah, as he's progressed throughout the years. And, like, you think he's been playing basketball professionally since 2003. Mm-hmm. 
and obviously we talk about playoff runs, and he's been a mainstay in the playoffs. God, he went to the finals what eight straight years or something absurd yeah, like that. It's a it's a phenomenal feat. But to think about like how much he's been a factor, no matter what he's played, it, this is truly an astonishing moment to see that he's now going to hit that mark. Which, honest to God, I never thought any player would come near. Neither did I. I mean, just because, especially this these days with, and I'm using air quotes, but you can't see him, load management. Mm-hmm. You know, and just how, you know, especially defensive the game was for a while, and now obviously it's gotten a little more, more offensive. You know, it's just one of those things, kind of like, you know, when uh, Lou Gehrig had the all-time record for consecutive games played streak. It's just one of those things, like, you never thought you would see beaten, and then here comes Kyle Ripken Jr. and breaks the damn thing. Mm. You know, you just look at the numbers statistically, and there's even videos of, like, people like to do those NBA all-time score uh, bar graph videos where, like, it's it's moving as time goes on. And you just see Kareem Abdul-Jabbar come in, and other guys are still scoring, and other guys are kind of, I don't want to say keeping up with him, but they're still scoring. And just how quickly his bar moves on those videos is astounding to watch, just because you see the numbers and you can see the points per game and however many points he scores this season, but to visually see how much he was scoring and how fast that line was moving is astonishing to see. So the fact we're sitting here you know, in 2023 saying somebody is about to pass his record is something I don't think we'll ever see again. We arguably won't, and this is going to be history-making. I know it sounds kind of cliche to put it on such a pedestal, but you really have to sit back and think about this. When was the last time anybody was this close? Oh, I'd have to look at the scoring list, but it's, it, I mean, close to passing Kareem? I don't think anybody's come close. Nobody's come close. I mean, I think Jordan had to be in that conversation at one point, but other than that, I mean, we're talking decades. Yeah. And... Maybe Durant, if he plays long enough, might uh, be in that yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah. But th- but there's a lot of different factors going on there. But I don't think we're going to see anybody close to this record for a, a very long time, if ever. So I pulled up the the list on NBA.com of the uh, all-time scorers. Obviously, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, number one. Uh, LeBron James, number two. Number three is Carl Malone. Uh, the, so the only one recently that came close was Kobe. Uh, Kobe is uh, number four. Number five is Michael Jordan. Dirk Nowitzki is number six. Wilt Chamberlain, number seven. Shaq is number eight. Carmelo Anthony is number nine. And Moses Malone is number 10. Uh, uh, I will scroll through and see if I can find who, who the next... Uh, Kevin Durant, there he is. That didn't take long. Uh, Kevin Durant is currently sitting number 14 behind Oscar Robinson at number 13. Hakeem Olajuwon at number 12. And Elvin Hayes at the number 11 position. Yeah, so I don't think Durant's going to do it. I just don't think he's got so enough Dur- gas in the tank. To- Durant currently... 26,684. Uh, the record, as we currently record, is still Kareem, uh, is 38,387. Yeah, I don't see that happening. No, I, I'm, I just don't think he's going to do it. I just don't think he's got enough gas in the tank to go that far because he'd have to play just roughshodding the math, almost like another decade. The next, And then the next closest guy, because I'm, I'm just scrolling through the list, the next closest guy active is James Harden at number 27, and he's got 24,000 points. Yeah, Harden's not going to do it. It's going to take a ridiculous feat for somebody to beat this. You would need another LeBron James to come into the league. Yeah, and I was looking at LeBron's stats. So you mentioned the lowest points he scored in a season was uh, the 20.9 per game. Like the next closest he he in terms of like lowest points per game he's averaged was there were two years he did like 25.3 yeah which that's again the lowest second lowest he's ever had so the fact that he's been at least over 25 the other 17 years he's been in the nba is insane the 25.3 years though that is very very ironic to where we're going to with this conversation 
because that was his return to Cleveland. Ah. And he was facilitating the ball a little bit because, obviously, if you look through his career, he debuted uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yep, hometown kid. Yep, and really took the ball as far as he could. Arguably the greatest draft class in NBA history? It is arguable. It's in that conversation. It's very, very arguable. You, but, don't, you don't believe us. Go back and look at who got drafted. Mm-hmm. But to see what he did with that team, and he had nobody around. Oh, my God, yeah. It was the fact that he made it to the NBA Finals against the San Antonio Spurs with, like, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Manu Ginobili in their prime with a bunch – listen, no disrespect to any of the other guys on that roster, but they were a bunch of nobodies. Exactly. The fact that LeBron made it to the Finals was either a testament to just how good he was or just how shit the Eastern Conference was. Mm Mm-hmm. And then when he took off to Miami in 2010 with the decision. Never forget that moment. Arguably the worst PR move ever. It's in the conversation. It is. It has to be. It's a, For TV spectacle, everybody watched. Mm-hmm. By the end of it, everybody hated it just because of how long it took. How long it took and just, you know, when you kind of buy into your own ego a little bit. And I think especially for how he came out straight from high school. Right. You have to remember. Yeah. I think it was a very humbling experience for him. Yeah. And obviously playing the four years down in Miami. Yeah. Winning two championships, not yep. the three, four, <laughs> not five. Not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight. But being the architect of what is known as the super team, too. Yeah. With, you know, joining forces with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and, and really showing, I, in my opinion, the right and wrong of doing a super team. Well, I mean, in the kind of the 2.0 version. Well, I mean, we can't forget that Garnett, Allen, and Pierce got yeah, together before them. I mean, is it on the same level of Wade, Bosch, and LeBron? No, but still, that was three really good players who got together. Right, but you also have to remember, I mean, Rondo, I think, was already there yeah. for a while, and so yeah. and so yeah. was uh, Paul Pierce. Yeah. Garnett was the missing piece when he came over. So it's not yeah. like they all chose to go play together a la the, right. you know, the Miami team. But then when LeBron decided to come back in 2014 and arguably the most shocking move, I think. Eh, To a certain degree. To a degree because Cleveland had started stocking up on draft picks. They really had a nice young team that was ready to go. Mm -hmm. And they made a run and arguably won the greatest championship in NBA history in a lot of people's eyes. Because Cleveland was never supposed to do this. Broke the streak from 50-some-odd years since a Cleveland team had won a pro sports championship. Yeah. And just the story painted itself. Yeah. The hometown kid comes back and wins a championship for a team that was desperate for a, for a title. Mm-hmm. And held to his word. And it, it was crazy to think of how he left, but he made up for it, which you yeah. don't get that chance in pro sports a lot. No, not often. Ever, like, to be honest with you. But he wound up doing it. So when he decided to leave Cleveland – in uh, 2018 to go to L.A., this went over a lot easier. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't um, as much anger. It was... Well, because he'd won him a championship. So I, I think they knew pretty much the writing was on the wall Yeah, that, that he was going to go. Yeah, because he called his shot because he didn't break anybody's heart by doing this. He won them a chip. Yeah. That's all he came back to do. He also didn't make us sit there for 60 minutes waiting to see what he was going to do in the middle of commercials. No, he learned from it, and he decided to go. And obviously, a lot of this rumbling came because he started having alleged conflicts mm-hmm. with a certain teammate. Yeah. And how that has gone on is, well, LeBron has had great success in L.A., mm-hmm. uh, winning the bubble championship, as it's been referred to. <laughs> it's not wrong. In 2020. But... On the flip side, his teammate that he's been paired with uh, has caused a lot of uh, scrutiny. Yeah. I think that's a nice way to put it. Yeah. And obviously this week 
Might have been the cherry on that Sunday. Boy, howdy. Pad, you want to take this one? Yeah, so reading from an article on ESPN.com, this is dated uh, February 5th, 2023. Uh, The article reads, quote, The Brooklyn Nets are trading Kyrie Irving to the Dallas Mavericks, sources told ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski uh, on Sunday. The Mavericks are sending Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, an unprotected 2029 first-round pick, and second-round picks in 2027 and 2029 to the Nets in exchange for Irving and Markeith Morris, sources said. The Nets plan to offer the picks acquired in the trade, as well as their 2027 first-round picks via the Philadelphia 76ers in trade talks to try and improve the roster ahead of the Thursday trade deadline, sources said. The Los Angeles Lakers and Nets discussed possible Irving deals on Friday and Saturday, but ultimately the Mavericks package gave uh, the Nets a better chance to surround Kevin Durant with players now, as well as the opportunity uh, to acquire three draft picks, sources said. The Nets had been looking looking at three-way deals involving the Lakers before discussions with the Mavericks came together fairly quickly Sunday afternoon, sources said. Mavericks general manager Nico Harrison has a long history with Irving, going back to their Nike days together, and Dallas coach Jason Kidd was a proponent of the trade. The Mavericks also ran the deal for Irving past all-star NBA Luka Doncic, who gave it a nod, a source told ESPN. The Mavs can now wait uh, to see how the rest of the season goes before deciding on a new deal for Irving, close quote. Yeah, so... To kind of tie this all together while LeBron is going to be celebrated this week. Mm-hmm. Honestly, a lot of eyes are on Kyrie. Uh, in all honesty, it's a little ironic because Luke, uh, Kyrie is going to make his Dallas debut uh, on Wednesday, 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN against the L.A. Clippers. Hmm. A little interesting. It is a little interesting to see, but as far as the headlines go, LeBron had a good week. Kyrie, yeah. a very questionable one because we have to take a look at where he's been. Obviously drafted in the league in 2011, yep. stayed with Cleveland until the 2016-2017 season. Then he left for Boston. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to play with LeBron, allegedly. Wanted his own team. Wanted his own team. Didn't want to be in the shadow of LeBron, allegedly. Mm-hmm. Went to Boston, where he was the centerpiece of that team for two years. With a very young team. With a very, very young team. Mm-hmm. And... The beginning of the second season, he was there, 2018. Yep. Pad, he gave an infamous speech. Yeah. Do you want to paraphrase that a little bit? I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here. Yep. Saying that he was going to be with his team. He was never going to go. He wanted to build something in, in Boston. We're just paraphrasing what he said. Uh-huh. And that did not go his way, so no, to speak. No, it didn't. Because by the time that season was done, in 2019-2020, the super team formed yet again. Mm-hmm. Him and Kevin Durant took their talents to the Barclays Center. Uh-huh. And they decided to try forming a super team with the Brooklyn Nets. Right. And then we got a note. Uh, didn't have a very successful first season because in the NBA Finals the season prior, Kevin Durant sustained an Achilles injury mm-hmm. and was out for the entire following season. Right. So it was Kyrie's team that year. Uh, but he was also injury. Yeah, he had he had a couple uh, issues, though, couple too. stints. He was out. Yeah, yeah, because he didn't play that many games as well. So they did not get the full Brooklyn effect, so to speak. However, when Kevin came back, Kyrie, uh, you know, when he got some time with him, they actually were playing well. Yeah. Uh, but they never got to the finals. Uh huh. They've always uh, had some issues when they got to the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, most infamous, infamously, last year 
I'm just going to kind of stumble my words because I want to say infamously. Yeah. They got swept. Yeah, they did. First round. Yes, they did. By who, Pad? Uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh-huh. So this season, or this past off season, there was a lot of drama. Kevin Durant wanted out. Kyrie Irving wanted out. Kevin Durant resigned. Kyrie Irving resigned a one-year extension. Durant, I believe, is four years. Mm-hmm. And they had to mix players because they finally got James Harden out of Houston. Yeah. Couldn't play together there. Yep. They made a trade uh, for Harden for Ben Simmons yeah. to get him out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Your opinion is your opinion on that deal. I don't think it was a good one, and it's been proven right in my eyes. That man is getting paid like 80-some-odd million dollars. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we're just going to kind of leave that one alone. But the whole deal in Brooklyn has been just simply one word, drama. Yeah. Kyrie has not played a lot of games in Brooklyn for various reasons. Um, I saw a stat. Uh, the most number of consecutive games Kyrie Irving played during his Brooklyn tenure was 11. Mm-hmm. So it just comes down to this. I don't want to go kind of into his own reasons why, because he had reasons. Also, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving did not play one full season together. And by one full season, I don't mean like an actual full season. No, I'm talking in terms of number of games played. I think they played like 72 or 74 games together. Yeah, it's only 74 out of four years. Yeah, like how did like you? How does that match up? It just yeah. it doesn't. Uh, and I pulled out because I know some people are going to be interested. Uh, ben Simmons uh, is making thirty five point four million dollars this year, uh, and he's only averaging seven point four points a game. Yeah, for thirty five mil. So when Brooklyn is playing as well as they were this season, and things looked like they were normal, like Kyrie looked mm-hmm. like he was finally invested, because that's the issue he's had previously. Right. He's never been invested in this team, well, in that, my opinion. Right. No, you're you're absolutely right, and and that's the other thing too is he wanted that was the drama in the offseason was he wanted the max extension, the four years, whatever the money amount would have been. And Brooklyn just couldn't give it to him because of all the nonsense that happened last season. Mm -hmm. You know, missing time, you know, missing most of the home games that season, you know, because he only played uh, 29 games last season, Mm -hmm. you know, in in the 2021-2022 season. He only played, you know, and he started all 29 games. So, you know, when we have all of these headaches, we're on the back page of the New York papers for all of the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Why are we going to give you this full, full max contract? You know, and so they finally came to some sort of an agreement where it was a one-year extension, and it's a let's wait and see how this goes. You know, contract year. You know, maybe bet on yourself like Aaron Judge did. Yeah. You know, see how you do. You know, and and it started off fairly well. And you know, he's been uh, he played forty games. He's played forty games this season. He in thirty-seven minutes, he is averaging twenty-seven point one points a game. Uh, he's got five point one uh, rebounds a game, five point three assists per game, and a forty-eight point six field goal percentage. So that's not bad. It's not bad, all things considered. Is it like Hall of Fame All Star MVP worthy? Probably not, but you know, it's not bad, all things considered. You know, and and even a couple of days ago, or maybe a couple of weeks ago. The subject got brought up, you know, wanting to stay here. And he even he even said, you know, oh, I, I love it here in Brooklyn. I don't want to leave and, and this, that and the other. And it was even brought up in the offseason, you know, where he's uh, after he resigned with the Nets. He said, quote, I love it here. There's no way I could leave my man seven anywhere. Close quote. And obviously seven referring to Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. And then we literally like a week later turns around and goes, I want out. Yep. Don't don't care where. And, and if you don't trade me before the deadline. I'm going to sit. Yep. I'm not going to play. So he checked out again. Uh-huh. Because it's about that time of year. Yeah. He is not invested to his team. That is the overall story from him looking through his entire career. Yeah. 
He's not invested. And for whatever reason, he can't get fully I mean, he was all in like he was he was let's give him credit. He was in I can't believe I just said that he was invested or at least it appears that way in the Cleveland years. Yeah, the Cleveland years. He was, you know, 51 games played, 59 games played, 71 games played, 75 games played, 53, 72, you know, and his lowest points per game in the in that stretch was his rookie year, you know, 18.5 points game, which, okay, rookie year, you're adapting from college to the NBA. Sure. Fine. Whatever. But then you get past that, you know, and he did 60 games with first year with Boston, 67 in a second game with Boston, second year with Boston, you know, and he averaged 24 and 23 points per game in those seasons. But after that, 20 games in 2019, 2020, which that was the year he had a bunch of injuries, you know, 54 the following season where he averaged 26.9. Then you have the 20 last season, which uh, was 29 games and 27 points. And then he's played 40 this year. So something about ever, something happened in the Cleveland years or or in the Boston years where he just checked out and just it's almost like Dennis Rodman where he's got something. He's got to get it out of his system. And once he's out of his system, he's good for a stretch. Yeah, it's just puzzling to see that throughout his entire career, something happened and he is just doesn't want to play. Yeah, it, it's Rodman like. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's a weird thing. But you know, you know, if you've seen the Last Dance, there was that there's that story of Rodman going to Vegas in the middle of the season, and even Rodman said on the Last Dance, "I just had to get it out of my system." Yeah, you know, and and they they let me go, and I got it out of my system. I was ready to go. Kyrie, not necessarily the same. You know. Sort of set of circumstances where he's going to Vegas or he's going to Atlantic City or someplace, but like something goes on, he's got to get it out of his system and then he's good. Yeah. And it's just unfortunately the people that are hurting the worst from this are his teammates. Well, and also the NBA because boy, howdy, when that next collective bargaining agreement comes up, he has really screwed the players on this. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Jesus. It's not going to be a pleasant conversation when they have to start arguing about that. Mm-hmm. But it goes back to he just cannot commit to a team. For whatever reason, and I, like I said, you can look at the the time period yeah. that he's had to take time off and go. Okay, whatever your opinion is, is your opinion. It just goes ultimately back to if you're on his team, you can't rely on him. Start the timer; he ain't gonna be around long. Exactly. So you can't sit there and think, okay, he's gonna be all in for this. We got to have one team, one mind, one goal. That is anything that you. If you ever ever play team sports, that's what you do. Yeah. If you don't have everybody involved, you're going to fail. You also can't depend on him because, let's be honest, diarrhea is more dependable than he is. Ooh. You, you know, yeah. be, because let's face it, if I'm on an old lineman for the Minnesota Vikings mm-hmm. and I'm and I'm the right tackle, I got to know that, you know, the right guard has got my back. Yeah. You know, that, that he's going to be there. He's invested. You know, he's doing his job. He's studying the game film. We're meeting for meetings and all this and that. If it... I'm not going to depend on him if all of a sudden he decides, you know what? I really want to see Hawaii this time of year. I'm going to skip my game on Sunday against, you know, the Green Bay Packers for the division lead because I want to really want to see Hawaii this weekend. Yeah. You know, Kyrie's the same thing. Kyrie will get it in his head that he's like, all right, hey, we got a really important game coming up this week against the Milwaukee Bucks. All week he's in game plan. He's watching film. He's doing this. And he goes, you know what? Washington, D.C. is really lovely this time of year. I'm going to go check out Washington, D.C. instead of playing. Yeah. Like, what? The, like, I'm not going to depend on this guy. I'm not going to call him for anything. No, you, you can't. And that's the problem, that if you're going to be a winning team, you need to have everybody fully invested. Mm-hmm. It has to be 100%. You can't do it half-assed. If you do it half-assed, you're going to fail. Yeah. And unfortunately, this is a situation that he has brought upon himself. 
So now seeing him after they've been winning, they're currently fifth in the Eastern Conference oh, yeah. in standings. Oh, yeah. That now that they started playing, they started having success. We did not hear anything about this. He decides to go, I want out. I want out. I want out. On Michael Jordan Day, no less. Yeah. On, on 2-3-23. Yeah. He just says, screw it, I want out. Now, I'm sitting here going, you got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. You're you're winning. This is the team that yeah. you, you personally built. And you sat at the end of last season, we're going to make this right. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Durant's we, been, we, we. Admittedly, Durant's out with an injury, So, but they've been holding together fairly they've well. They've been holding together well. You know, yeah. at one point I'll give them their due. At one point, I think they were like the two seed, You know, but now they've slipped to the five during during Kevin Durant's absence. But no, you're right. When it's all about the team and, oh, you know, they even said in the fucking offseason last season and then with this offseason. Or the last, the end of last season, I should say, when they got swept out. Oh, me, me, Durant and Joe Sire and, and Kevin Marks are going to, the GM are going to sit down together. We're really going to figure things out. Oh, we're going to make this, you know, and then they had the whole drama this offseason. And they finally, you know, Durant re-upped and then Kyrie re-signed for one year. And it's like, oh, we're really going to, we're really going to figure this out. We're really going to ha- ha- uh, hunker down and, and get this sorted. Yeah. You didn't even make it halfway into the season and went deuces. Yeah. And now... You've dis- you're going to go to Dallas mm-hmm. and disrupt a young star in Luka Doncic. I don't, I don't get this move if I'm Mark Cuban. The only thing that I think maybe is in the favor is Cuban is very, very much yeah. a player's owner. Like, he, he really loves yeah. Yeah. supporting his players. He really gets behind them. This might work out in that sense that if he really yeah. goes all in on you know Kyrie, do whatever you need to. This is essentially a, a six month rental, not mm-hmm. even not even a six. Well, kind of a six month rental, a four or five month rental. Yeah, where you know he dumped some salary in getting rid of the other players that went to uh, back to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know, so he dumped some salary. He's got Kyrie Irving. You know, who's getting on the last year of his four year hundred and thirty six million dollar deal. So after this season, he's a free agent. Yeah, you know, good luck Kyrie getting a full fucking four-year extension at a, at a Supermax deal, nobody's going to give it to you, you know, without with all the nonsense you you put teams through, you know, but it's it's a four or five-month rental, and then if this, after the season is over, if it blows up in their face, you know, he can just walk away, Cuban can just walk away and say, hey, you know what, we tried, we don't have time to go other avenues, Yeah, you know, and, and they've got the, they've now got the cap room to sign another player. You know, and if it works with Kyrie, hey, you, you tried, it worked, and now and now you know it's not taking a risk. No, I mean it's it's a crazy move to do because obviously, if you know he's not going to be all in for your team, right? Why would you take the shot? But then again, we've heard reports the Los Angeles Lakers were all in, yeah, offering numerous number one picks. I heard the Phoenix was involved, even, yes, even offering Chris Paul. Chris Paul was in the talks uh, along which with which is wild. Uh, another one of their star players, yeah. uh, not Devin Booker, but right. uh, but it was another star player. Right. But teams were all invested to take a shot, which I mean, it's a it's a respect thing to his playing ability. Because if Kyrie's invested, yeah, you have an all star on your team, right? And reportedly, uh, Joe Sy, the owner of the Nets, was one of the ones who wanted him to go to anywhere but Los Angeles. Well, you know what? I think that he's been sitting here during the entire marriage they've had, right. And been like, enough is enough. Yeah. We want to say this is our team. 
Yeah. This isn't Kyrie's team. Well, this Kyrie is, can't call this shot. Well, and this is a proponent for teams going forward. You cannot do what the Net Brooklyn Nets did with Durant and Kyrie and essentially let them run the team. Mm-hmm. Because look what happened. The inmates ran the asylum. The, the inmates ran the asylum. You had three of arguably the best players of this generation mm-hmm. in, in Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. We're leaving Ben Simmons out of this because, listen, he's fucking trash. Yeah. I'm sorry, you got a man making that much money and he's not even averaging double double digits in points. He fucking sucks. Two words, jump shot. Yeah. But you had three of arguably the greatest players of this generation in Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. And they've got one playoff win to show for it. Yeah. And they did not even, Durant and Kyrie did not even play a full season together in three years. Yeah. You know, so that is a proponent for for teams going forward. Hey, Get the player's input, certainly. Ask their opinion if you're making a coaching hire. But when it comes to making coaching decisions, ain't an owner, GM, or president of basketball operations, whatever their job title is, going to let the players make the decisions anymore because they saw how the experiment worked in Brooklyn and it blew up in their face. Brooklyn has now been the precedent for teams moving forward. Uh huh. I think if everybody saw about the honeymoon phase of the super team with – yeah, you know, I always say Miami because Boston is a little different story when sure. they had when they had Rondo, sure. Pearson, Garnett. But when you take a look at when the super team formed in Miami, those guys really swallowed a lot of their egos. Oh yeah, and really made the best of the situation they were in. Oh yeah, and you know what? Four finals appearances, two and two. You know, yeah. for, for getting chips, that's that's nothing to that's sneeze not about. Bad. That's nothing to sneeze about. But then you take a look at how every team has tried following that. Yeah. And how many have had success? Yeah. They don't. Because at the end of the day, you have to sacrifice a lot of your ego. Well, and especially the team's got to go through a bunch of loopholes just because you think about those Miami years with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, and they were signing guys at the veterans minimum Mm -hmm. just to fill out the roster. Like Chris Anderson was their center, and he was making maybe a million dollars a year. Maybe. Because there was so much money going to LeBron, Wade, and Bosh that the financial department for the Miami Heat was having to do loopholes to try and figure out how they're going to make this work and fill out the roster. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think about, but it just goes back to they made it work, but they're also a lot more selfless sure, than the situation that has been appearing in Brooklyn. Because when in, you're selfish and not invested, mm-hmm. it comes across that way. And you yeah. can see the body language in the team yeah. there. Not just... The two star players, sure, everybody, you can tell that that there's just a different energy there in Brooklyn that players know. I don't want to say it's hopeless, right? But you take a look at teams that are winning, like Boston. Sure, I'll give the Celtics their due. They have a very nice young team they built up, and you can tell like those guys are learning from their mistakes. They're only getting better. Jason Tatum is a superstar in the making. Oh God, yeah. And you think about the team they have there now, sure, there's a lot of them that are role players, but they play their roles very well mm-hmm. for the betterment of the team. Yeah. And that's why they're always in you know, contention every year. Mm-hmm. In the case of Brooklyn, they haven't been because you see these egos are running wild. Mm-hmm. And now you're getting rid of one of your biggest problems. And I think Joe Sy, the GM of the, the Nets, just had enough. And was like, listen, you're going to go where we want to send you. Well, it's like the back page of one of the New York papers said. Quote, he's your headache now. Yeah. And he's going to say, you know what, Cuban, if you can work with him, you do this. And I think in in, in a weird sense, though, that's probably the best landing spot he could go to. Maybe. Because he could have gone to L.A. with LeBron, 
and rekindle some of the magic, so to speak. Well, he could have, but from what I was hearing, the the possible move for L.A. was going to be tough just from a pieces perspective. Yeah. Just because of the way I was hearing it, and this isn't like inside sources, no, just from what I was hearing on TV, that they would have needed a third, if not a fourth team to get involved to mm-hmm. make this deal work. They basically would have, would have had to given up the rest of their draft picks. Yeah. You know, to make to make this work, you know, so it was it was it was nice to think of. And I know LeBron really, really wanted it to happen, but it was a long shot, if anything. Well, I think LeBron knows he's in the twilight of his career. Yeah. And I think that he's just waiting for, I believe, his son to come to the league. He must play one year with him and then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Once, then, once his son gets through his rookie year, LeBron's gone. Yeah. And and obviously he's earned that. He he has. All, we always say tread on the tires. LeBron has a lot of tread. Mm-hmm. So for him, he just wants to write that storybook ending. Maybe him and Kyrie would have got one more chip, maybe. Eh, I don't know. But then again, it all depends on how invested Kyrie was to that idea, too. I think that there's a lot of moving parts that are happening with this, and at the end of the day, Brooklyn is now in the aftermath of where do we go from here. There were reports Kevin Durant allegedly wants out of Brooklyn, too. We've heard Boston's name has been attached, but there's a lot of noise coming out of Brooklyn's camp saying, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to build around Kevin Durant and see what we can get. And to be honest with you, that is the best situation you can do right now. Well, and if I'm Kevin Durant, I got to have a long conversation with my agent about this fucking contract I signed because uh, he signed a four-year, $194 million contract. It is in the first year of the four-year deal. Uh, and I'm reading this off of Spotrack.com. So contract notes, maximum veteran extension, 105% of his 2021-22 salary. Uh, 2022-2023, 50% pay advancement in a pair of installments on July 1st and October 1st, per Mark Stein. Uh, total incentives are $6.2 million. If any of the following are met, A, the Nets make the playoffs, B, the Nets win at least 43 games, C, Durant appears in the at least 39 games, D, Durant makes the All-Star team, uh, he gets a whole bunch of other incentives and, and all this other stuff. You notice anything missing from that list I read? Hmm. There's no opt-out? Yeah. How the fuck do you sign a four-year extension and not get an opt-out? Well, because I think he legit thought this would not happen. I think that... Yeah, maybe. I, no, because in all honesty, I think at the end of last season, it was, we're committed, we're going to get back in this, we're going to do this. And then all that drama happened at the beginning of the year. And Kevin Durant's a fool. With the number of times Kyrie Irving said, I'm going to do this, and then went the complete opposite direction, you bought him on this bullshit? Well, you know what? Come on. He got sold on joining the team. Sure. I mean, he got the vision of them playing together and and moving their lives into this unique relationship. He got sold to. Hey, Knicks Knicks fans, that's a bullet dodge. Yeah, the idea got sold to. Like, that's what I'm saying with that. Yeah, yeah. So, I know, and I'll admit, I'm I'm very happy I was wrong that they, you know, did not sign with the Knicks because this would have been absolutely disastrous. Good Lord. This would have been absolutely disastrous. But like I said, he was sold on the idea of this. So, now you're standing there going, okay, what do we do from here? And I think the Nets are taking the right approach. They're going to see what they can build around them. The Nets with Kyrie Irving, you know, could have, I think could have made a run in the playoffs. But the way the Nets are currently constructed now, they might make the playoffs just because you know of how well they started. They ain't making it out of the first round. No, they're no, no you know they've got the benefit of they started so well, and at one point I really think they were at the two seed. Mm. They've now slipped to the five. You know, but they'll they'll more than likely make the playoffs. You know, but the the talent they got back. Listen, it's no disrespect to any of the guys they got back in, in the in the trade, but it's a very step down, big step down from Kyrie Irving's talent level. Oh, it's huge. That, you, you know, so they went from a 
they, you know, they could make the Eastern Conference Finals. They could make the NBA Finals if things go their way and they get some favorable matchups in along the way in the playoffs. To, yeah, hey, thanks for showing up. Yeah, I think they're going to have a very bitter pill to swallow this year. Yeah, they could. And I don't think that they're going to get out of this one uh, easy. No, I think though the uh, business side of the Brooklyn Nets are doing the smart move. Yes, because Kevin Durant is the one you want to build around, not Kyrie. Yeah, and if it can't work with Kevin, they're gonna they're gonna try trading him, and they will get they will get a lot of value oh, for him. Oh yeah, there will be a lot of teams that ain't got an issue taking on that contract. He'll be going out west though. I guarantee you, probably that. he's not gonna be playing probably. the east. But I guess we can just say it was nice while it lasted, Brooklyn. Yeah, we told you there was gonna be problems. And here we are. And we'll see how it works for Dallas. I mean, Luka likes to hold the ball a lot Mm -hmm. and for long stretches of time. So does Kyrie. So we're going to see how this adjustment period works. I mean, I know everyone likes to talk about all that. Well, there was an adjustment period with with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh. Yeah, but they had an entire season to do this. Yeah. Uh, I looked it up. The Brooklyn, or not the Brooklyn, that's the Dallas Mavericks have currently played 55 games as of this recording. It's an 82-game regular season, folks. They've got 27 games to figure this shit out. Yeah. It's going to be a tough road ahead for Dallas. If anybody can do it, though, I give faith to Mark Cuban. I just don't think he realizes what he's invested in. Yeah. And and I'm all well, hoping. That, well, that's the thing. If it doesn't work, you know, Kyrie's a free agent at the end of the year. You can let him walk. Yeah. And he's going to have to because I know with Kyrie at his uh, press conference today, as ESPN has been reporting to kind of paraphrase, quote, I want to be celebrated, not just tolerated. Show up and you will. Yeah, that's the thing. He's got to show up and ball out. That's what he needs to do. If he wants to change the narrative, he needs to fully commit to Dallas and show teams why he's the all-star, why he's somebody you need to invest in. Because right now, we don't see it. Nope. And Dallas, good luck with that. Brooklyn, it's been nice knowing you. It's going to be a couple of years before you bounce back from this one. <laughs> Probably. The Knicks are the number seven seed. I'm just saying. There's there's a chance we might take the we might swap spaces with them and take that number five spot. <laughs> I'm going to end that on a happy note because I just want to say it's always New York forever with us here at the ODPH. But that being said, we gave you a lot of conversation, talking points about Kyrie Irving and the move out of Brooklyn to Dallas. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH pod. What is your thoughts about the move? And what is going to be the legacy he left in Brooklyn? Is it a positive one, a negative one? And do you think we're going to see more super teams come out of this after the absolute turmoil that's been happening here? And then what about LeBron taking Kareem's title? That's a huge story, folks. We gave you a lot to talk about, so let's do it. We're going to take a quick break, though. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe? Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that butt ice stuff at the gas station? Well, then look no further. We present to you Hops Geek News. We're yet another geek and beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We drink and we pretend we know things. More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics, and we most definitely can drink. We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about. With lots of fun facts about beer. And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie. Which it is basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about join us on youtube or anywhere you listen to podcasts new episodes weekly just search hops news kill me back for another segment on this edition of the odph podcast and we have a lot of mma to talk about yeah we do 
I know Mike from the Multiverse of Badness is marking out right now. There were some headlines this weekend going on, and there is a very, very, very big fight card happening on February 11th as well that we got to discuss. So, Pad, we're going to do this like quick hit style. Sure. So why don't you break down the news uh, this past weekend? Yeah, so this past weekend uh, you had a couple events going on, one of which was Bellator, uh, a Bellator card taking place for free, actually, on uh, CBS and also Paramount+. Plus. It was, I'm pulling up the fight card as we speak. Bellator 290? Bellator 290, that is correct, uh, which took place from Inglewood, California, uh, at the Kia Center, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, not the Staples Center, but their, well, whatever they're calling it now, this Kia Center, though. Uh, not the Staples Center, but the Kia Center, uh, where he faced, or where he had uh, Fedor Emelenko face Ryan Bader. This was the final fight of Fedor's storied career. Which, uh, if you're not familiar, Fedor has uh, whoops, page jumped on me there. Uh, there it is. Uh, in 48 professional matches, he has a record of 40 wins, seven losses, only one no contest. Folks, what were you doing on Fedor's very first fight, which took place on the 21st of May, 2000? That's a great question. <laughs> that was a while ago. For legal reasons, I'm not going to say. <laughs> that was a while ago. Me, uh, I was in. I was still in grade school, so that's how long ago it was. Uh, but so yeah, Fedor's final fight took place this past weekend at UFC two or not UFC uh, Bellator two ninety against Ryan Bader, uh, who is a champion over in uh, Bellator, uh, and and you had a, a, quite a. Uh, list of folks show up. I know Chuck Liddell was there. Rampage Jackson was there. Uh, what was it? Chael Sonnen was there. Dan Henderson, I believe. Dan Henderson was there. Pretty much any major UFC uh, or even some WEC champions from like the er, you know early to mid two thousands was there. So if you were watching the UFC event and wondering why none of the stars and Hall of Famers were there, it's because they were all in California for the the uh, Bellator fight. Fight went about the way you expect. Uh, Fedor, 46 years old, uh, lost in 2 minutes and 30 seconds uh, to Ryan Bader in, in the first round via TKO. I mean, listen, Fedor took one po- Herb Dean roughed the fight, so uh, didn't wasn't quick on the trigger uh, for, yeah, for he's call. Yeah, let him fight. Yeah, he let him fight longer than, honestly, he should have because there was a good stretch. I want to say maybe about 30 seconds. Fedor wasn't really defending, so it could have been called sooner, but it wasn't. But, yeah, it went about the way he did. Fedor took a shot, and that was about the end of it. So Fedor ends his very storied career and rides off into the sunset. Yeah, I mean, what else can you really say? I know we talked about this on the ODPH patron uh, episode this yeah. week, so... I will just kind of sum it up like this. Fedor had the opportunity to be great mm-hmm. uh, outside of the UFC, and he did. He ran with it. He's, uh, in some people's eyes, the greatest MMA fighter of all time. There's always that little haunting question, though, uh-huh. is what would have happened if he fought Brock Lesnar? Boy, howdy. In the UFC. and that's A lot one, of money would have been made. There's a, lo- there's a long, long you know, back and forth about... What happened there? I know Brock even challenged to fight him in a parking lot, I believe. <laughs> you know, uh, I believe it. Like, at one point, he decided to fight him for free. And this is the, the height of Brock Lesnar MMA. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brock, just to put that in perspective. But for Fedor, I mean, listen, I, at this stage, we knew this was not going to be long. Ryan Bader, say what you will, he was a UFC prospect at one point. Uh, obviously, could not get past John Jones nope. in the light heavyweight division. And he's had success in Bellator. So, listen, kudos to him. I always thought that if they were going to bring back Bader, it would make a lot of sense for him to be in that lightweight division, light yeah, heavyweight yeah. division. Yeah, but this is a solid win for him. I mean, nothing unexpected. And for Bader and for Fedor, I mean, listen, great legacy and pride. Everything else uh, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I say, I always remember him from Pride, and that's where the biggest memories of him stand out to me. 
Yeah. Uh, also taking place on the same night from the uh, UFC Apex uh, in Nevada, you had the uh, fight night uh, between Derek Lewis and uh, Sergey Spivak take, oh, take place. Uh, so this was on at an absurd time because uh, I was my brother-in-law invited uh, Liz Bailey and I to come over and watch it with my sister and some friends. And I looked and I was like, who's fighting? I had no idea anything was on this weekend. And I initially looked on a site and it said, oh, prelims are on at seven. And the main card's on at 10. And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure, absolutely, we'll do that. Mm. And then he goes, well, we might not watch the main card. It doesn't start till uh, 1. And I go, why the fuck is it starting at 1? So initially the uh, the card was supposed to take place in uh, Seoul, South Korea. Uh, but things fell apart and... So, you know, there was an illness uh, that was suffer- that was suffered by one of the fighters, you know, and, and there was a whole bunch of issues. So the fight got moved to Vegas into the UFC Apex. And in an effort to still, like, keep kudos or whatever you want to say with the fans over in South Korea, they kept it at South Korean times. Yeah, to honor the time zone. To honor the time zone. So that's why the prelims didn't start until 10 o'clock and the main card didn't start till uh, 7 or uh, 1 o'clock, I should say. Uh, no, only notable fight was the uh, main one where you had Sergey Spivak defeat Derek Lewis via arm triangle choke mm. submission uh, at three minutes and five seconds of the first round. Uh, in case you didn't know, this fight did not uh, finish until or end until about 3.30 in the morning Eastern. Yeah. Yeah, this one was tough, but it's all a win for Spivak. Yeah. Like, can't be mad about it. No. It's just we love Derek Lewis. It is what it is. Yeah. And then another uh, bit of news coming down uh, the last week uh, in between recordings. Got found out the, the new uh, coaches for the Ultimate Fighters. Se- yeah, we got to talk about this. Season 31 uh, coming to ESPN and ESPN Plus. Might have become an ABC. I don't remember what Dana said. Uh, but reading from an article on ESPN.com, courtesy of Mark uh, Ramondi, quote, Conor McGregor's return has been set as the former UFC double champion will coach against lightweight star Michael Chandler on the next season of The Ultimate Fire before facing him in the octagon. UFC President Dana White announced McGregor and Chandler as the coaches on social media Saturday. No date or location was announced for the McGregor-Chandler fight, which will likely take place at 170 pounds. Chandler told ESPN's Brett Okamoto on Saturday the high-stakes bout should take place in September. Uh, Quote, that would make the most sense to me, said Chandler. Obviously, Connor is driven by pay-per-view buys. You want to keep that tension from the reality show as close to the fight as possible. You start pushing it to the end of the year. Other big fights are happening. September would be absolutely perfect. Close quote. Uh, the 31st season of The Ultimate Fighter, which will air on ESPN and ESPN Plus, will run from May 30th to August 15th. Close quote. Well, here we are. Connor McGregor is back. How are you feeling about that, Pad? I mean, listen, I don't hate the guy. You know, I don't love the guy. I respect him as a fighter because he is able to do things and accomplish things I will never be able to do just because I ain't got that fighting ability. You know, but at the same time, like, the luster is gone for me. You know, the spectacle is gone for me. You know, and I think part of it is just because of his, you know, he wants to bill himself as the greatest fighter of all time. Mm. Motherfucker doesn't show up enough to prove it, you know. So so from, you know, the losses, which obviously, you know, you got any fighter who goes on a run like he did, you know, you know, where his first uh, or excuse me, his his uh, last loss. So his first big loss was to Nate Diaz. You know, it was his uh, third loss in his his professional career. That was in March of 2016. Prior to that, his last loss was to a gentleman by the name of Joseph Duffy. Uh, no no idea if it's related to our own coach Duffy. Uh, but that was for Cage Warriors 39, The Uprising, on the 27th of November 2010. 
So he went on a six year, almost a six year stretch where he didn't didn't lose. So obviously you get your first loss after a stretch like that. There's gonna be a little bit of shine that leaves, you know. But between that and then just the the inconsistencies and the gaps, you know, where you know he he lost to Diaz, he fought him again in August that same year. You know, he fought Eddie Alvarez that same year. You know, and then he was went away for two years to do boxing and to do other things. You know, he fought, and he lost to Habib in October of 2018, and then he went on a two year break where he lost to where he beat uh, you know an old cowboy cerrone listen no disrespect to cerrone he's old he's not the same cerrone of of yesteryear you know and then he took another year off and he came back and he lost to dustin poirier you know and then he lost to poirier again you know although that was doctor stoppage i i understand his leg was so screwed up yeah that was a doctor (laughs) stoppage in july but like I don't hate the guy. I don't respect the guy. You know, I don't love the guy. I respect him for what he's able to do, but just like he doesn't move the needle for me anymore. He's not there enough. See, here's the thing. At one point, Conor McGregor was the face of MMA. You can't take that away from him. Love him or hate him. He was the face that ran the place. Yeah, he was. He was the most popular fighter on the planet. Dude, Dude won a fight in Vegas and the strip got shut down. Oh, yeah. And like I say, he had that weird intangible that people wanted to see him everywhere and everywhere. And you get to the point where when you want to be seen everywhere and anywhere, mm-hmm. as I'm trying to say, because like when I talk, start talking Connor and think of like the potential he had until he let his ego run crazy. Yeah. And it's it's sad to see that that was there because he had a chance at one point to really be one of the greats. Could have been, and I'm just thinking of this comparison, could have been the rock of MMA. Uh, you know, because he's got the personality, you know, whether it be in the persona, you know, because I don't know if this is his actual how he is in real life or not. This is certainly how he is every time he's in front of a camera. Yeah. You know, but I've never heard of an interaction of how he is when the cameras are turned off. So I, I can't speak to that. But he's got the persona. He's got the swagger. He's got the this. He's got, you know, he's got the business ventures going on. He's got the, uh, the proper 12 whiskey going yeah. on. He's got whatever else he's involved with, you know. So he had all the promise in the world of of sponsorship deals and business adva- business ventures and you know maybe some TV stuff and maybe some movie stuff and then it kind of all went down the toilet. Well, once you think you're untouchable, that's when you start having problems. <laughs> Nobody is untouchable. You can get reached at any point, whether it's by your own ego or others around you trying to really knock you down a pedestal. When you get your own section on your Wikipedia page for controversies, yeah, that, that is. The size of an uh, of a college essay, you know, not exactly good. Well, you have to think about it. When he used to start believing in his own hype so much, he'd come rolling in the press conferences super late. Yeah. Wouldn't care. Then you think about what he had with the Diaz brothers, and he was throwing water bottles and that whole shit. I mean, I'm not going to read through everything, but, you know, there's a section about, in the controversy about driving offenses. Incident in Bellator 187. The bus, let's not forget the bus attack. Well, the bus, in, bus incident was everything that changed. You know, That two, moment changed everything. 223, you know, then there was the incident at UFC 229. The, there was the sexual assault allegations from Dublin. You know, the Florida robbery arrest, the pub assault in Dublin. You know, Corsica arrest, good fight foundation incident, altercation with Machine Gun Kelly. God, I didn't know that was a thing. You know, and then the alleged att- alleged attack on Francesco uh, Facinetti. You know, like like I said, when you when you've got an entire section devoted to just controversies and it's the size of a college essay, it's not good. It's not good, but you take it right back to that bus incident in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. That's what changed everything because he really pushed the line. Yeah, he did trying to fight Habib. 
and throwing that uh, dolly the dolly into the window where he cut somebody's eye. I was say so. There was a fight that was called off because of that. Was because, it Michael Chiesa? I, yeah, it was Chiesa because Chiesa was sitting not directly next to the window he shattered, but close enough mm-hmm. where the sh- glass shattered and some of the broken glass went into Chiesa's eye. So Chiesa was not able to fight that weekend. Yeah. So when he's running around this crazy and out of control, this is where the UFC should have stepped in and really did something. But, yeah. but he's lucky that he was allowed to fight after this. Oh, yeah. He, just to put it mildly, he's lucky he was allowed to fight. Mm-hmm. Then you take it to that infamous fight in October against Habib. Yeah. Where he learned a very valuable lesson. And he got I think, humbled hard. I think a lot of his fans did, too. Uh-huh. That Connor was exposed for being a one-trick pony. Yes. He's got hands. He has no wrestling ability yes. whatsoever known to man. Take him to the ground, and you win. And Habib toyed with him for oh four God. rounds. Oh, my God. Habib to- toyed with him like a fucking dog and a chew toy. Like, I remember what happened after that because I was in New York Comic Con. Yeah, we both were. Yeah, yeah. we both were that year. And then yeah. the phones blew up because that's when you had the fight outside the cage. We were, we were laying in the hotel room we were staying at, you know, because it was – after 11.30, so long, and we knew we had to be up early the next day for breakfast and everything else to get ready for the show. And I just remember us both laying laying in, in you know our hotel room and sitting there and going, and, and you and I was kind of like half asleep. Yeah, and, I was and, on the couch, and I'm just, yeah, and you were half asleep. And, and, like, and, you re- and you read off on your phone, you're like, holy shit, you know, there's been a fight at the UFC. And I immediately woke up, and I went, wait, what the fuck is going on? And you told me the details, and I'm like, hold on, say that one more time, because I'm not believing what I'm hearing. Yeah, I know. You like you woke up, and you're like, wait, what? I'm like, dude, I'm like, I'm like showing you from the couch. I'm like, yo, yeah. look, get your phone out. Yeah. Because that's when everything changed for him. And I think a lot, he, for anybody that had any doubts about, what his persona was turning into. Like, we'll use it wrestling terms. He turned from face to heel overnight. Yeah. And if anybody had any hope that he was going to redeem himself, no, it went completely out the window. And, mm-hmm. that, and that whole fracas, if I can use that word. Sure. Really sent him on a course where he thought he was bigger than the sport. And then yeah. took time off to go fight Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Which, I mean, was a money grab for him. But, yeah, at the but same it was also a year he wasn't fighting. And he was also, if I'm not mistaken, during that time, a champion and had the belt tied up. Yep. He had the, he had the belt tied up for almost a calendar year before they finally it was over a year. I forget it was like four hundred something days before they finally vacated the championship. Yeah, but well, Dana, and, and he threw a pissing fight because of it. Yeah, because Dana because he realized that the sport was going to move on without him, and he can't handle that with his ego. He it was he stopped being the humble fighter that we knew and saw fight Jose Aldo and come mm-hmm. up. No, he turned into an arrogant asshole that got his crap kicked in. Yeah. By Habib, yeah. By well, Floyd. Well, we all knew that was going to go. Oh yeah, like, oh, that, God, that was yeah. probably the biggest oh, no-brainer yeah. lock of the century. And then to see him come back, he wasn't the same guy. Like, sure, you beat an aging Donald Cerrone. Like I said, all no disrespect. To we Donald. love Cerrone. Here. Love Cerrone. No disrespect, but that is not the same Cerrone of old. Yeah. And we're sitting there just you know watching that fight, and I know that you know one member of our esteemed panel was thinking like, oh, it's Connor's back, and I was like, no, he's not. Yeah, because the minute he had to face some real competition in Dustin Poirier, he got rocked. He got rocked and outright. And then you saw some very ugly things happen when he started going on social media and saying some things he shouldn't have said. Yeah, and, and this is all mixed in with his outside <laughs> the cage drama. He was also very humble in defeat. Yeah, <laughs> if <laughs> why pad. Reasons. reasons look up the quote look up the uh, the footage you'll see what we mean exactly so now to see him come back after all this time the only thing we know that he's been lifting weights yep he looks big like for a big 170 and on the flip side michael chandler has been stuck in this weird position because he's been in big matches since he's 
made his way over to the UFC. Obviously, was a champion in Bellator. Yep. And he's had mixed success here in the UFC. He's won some big fights. He's got his name out there. He's a charismatic fighter. But he has never been able to pull down the big championship. Right. And it's nothing against him. Just the lightweight division, we've said this numerous times if you're a new listener to the show, is the deepest division in all of mixed martial arts. The 155-pound division is just loaded. So to see him try you know, to make some headway there, he didn't have that much success. So now he wants to go up to 170 and fight Connor. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't really care about this fight. Neither do I. Like, I'm going to watch it. Sure. But if you're asking me, is this must-watch TV? Nah. Not really, because at the end of the day, Connor is a shell of his former self. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a solid fighter, but he's an aging fighter that can only stand with somebody. Yeah. Well, and the only thing we know for certain that's going to go on with this fight is, I believe it was Dana who said in his uh, announcement video that he was going to be the coach on Ultimate Fighter going against Chandler was Dana said he's not sure when and where the fight's going to take place, just that it was going to be on an ESPN Plus pay-per-view, which means, well, there's one guarantee for that fight. ESPN Plus is going to shit the bed. Oh, yeah, because Connor will draw in an audience. When, like, love him or hate him. Like, it's, it's, in a weird sense, it's like a comparison to Logan and Jake Paul. Yeah. Like, I'm, and sorry, like, that's the way it is. He's going to bring in an audience, and you're going to sit there and go, like, okay, either we're in or we're out, and you're going to watch for the spectacle. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going to tune in to watch Chandler punch his face out. Oh, yeah. Or take him to the ground and just ground and pound him, which is going to happen, folks. Sorry, this is an early prediction. You can call it a spoiler. You can call it whatever you want. As soon as Connor goes to the ground, it's a wrap. Playbook is there. So if you want to tune in for it, you can. I might, you know, if it's on TV, I'm going to watch it, but I'm not making a point. Like, this is not destination TV for no. me. Because I'm sorry, at this stage in the game, Connor is not that big of a box office. Like I mean, if, I'll be honest. I don't usually watch Ultimate Fighter just because, eh, you know, I don't really know too much about the up-and-comers or the, some of the new guys who might be making a splash at UFC if they get there. So, like, I, I, it doesn't really do anything for me. You know, I heard the news that he was going to be the coach on Ultimate Fighter, and I went, eh, okay. And plus, like, yeah, whatever. Plus, there's not really a lot of sizzle there because he's been a coach before against Uriah Faber. Right. I mean, if this was after his win against, you know, say, Jose Aldo, or, or, oh, yeah, or, sure. or something, or even after Diaz, if it was like him and Diaz back in the day. Yeah. Oh, I'd have absolutely fucking tuned in for this. But, you know, it's it's however many, you know, it's 500-something days. It'll be probably over 600, you know, six between 600 and 650 days by the time we finally get to this fight, because his last fight was on the 10th of July, 2021. Mm-hmm. You know, we're over 550 days since that last fight. We'll be over probably over 650 by the time the fight actually happens. Yeah. You know... So it's great and all that he's weightlifting, and it's great that he's bulked up and all this shit, but, like, it ain't the same as fighting in the octagon against the guy who wants to take your head off. It's not moving the needle for me. And even when we ran the poll up on ODBH Podcast on Twitter, it was really don't care either yeah. way. You know, like, honestly, that's that was the, my vote. That's the temp of the room. But, no, but in all honesty, of all the votes there, that was the one. And, I mean, honestly, at this stage in the game, you can't get that excited about it. No. Like, if you're a diehard Connor fan and we do know one. Yeah, we do. You know they're excited about this. Oh, and God, listen, yeah. be a fan, be excited. Like, we're not saying don't be excited. Yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're a fan of Connor or a fan of the Ultimate Fighter, we're not trying to discourage you from watching it. It's just for us personally, not really. Like, I got other stuff I need to watch. Yeah, like I said, I'd much rather be talking and, and watching something else. Much like the pay-per-view we're going to discuss this coming weekend. Because this is a big card with two big main events. 
Pad, let's talk about it. Yeah, so taking place this Saturday, uh, February 12th, 2023, from the RAC Arena in Perth, Australia, uh, you have UFC 284. Uh, and taking place on the card, we're just going to run through uh, the main card, not necessarily going depth and everything. Uh, in the light heavyweight division, you have Jimmy Crute taking on Alonzo uh, Menafield. It's good to see Crute come back. I remember yeah. he had that horrific injury oh, a yeah. while back. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy to see him back. Uh, next up in the heavyweight division, you have Justin Taffa taking on Parker Porter. Be a solid fight. Yeah. Uh, then you've got in the welterweight division, Jack uh, Della uh, Madalena taking on Randy Brown. JDM, I like him. Mm-hmm. I think he's got. I think this will be actually a solid fight that people, people are not going to talk a lot about. But I do like JDM. I could, I could see it being a slap down fight. Like you just look at and you go, well, okay, whatever. And then it's actually better than a lot of people expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in the well, two of the fights we're going to talk about are the co-main and the main event of the evening. Uh, in the co-main event in the featherweight division, you have Yair Rodriguez taking on Josh Emmett. Now this is for the featherweight interim title too. Ooh. So just to put in perspective, because well, obviously the main event is going to kind of dictate what's going to happen there. Yair Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Now, he's an interesting guy. He is somebody that I I respect his ability. I'm not a super big fan of. I think he's kind of lucked into a couple different situations. I'm of the same opinion. Yeah, and obviously the Hail Mary elbow to the Korean zombie is one of the craziest shots I've seen landed yeah. to completely change a fight because he loses that. I, I At four minutes and 59 seconds of the fourth, or excuse me, fifth, fifth round. Fifth round. It's, it was wild to see play out. So he's earned this title shot. I'm not going to take that anything away from him about this. Standing across from him, though, is Josh Emmett. Uh-huh. Now, Emmett can throw some hands. Yeah, he can. And I want to say he kind of reminds me in a weird sense of a young Connor of ability. He's known for his hands. I don't really think of him as a wrestler, so to speak. I know he has some ability. Sure. Because of the camp he trains out of. So I'm not going to say it's like fully like O'Connor 2.0. Sure. I just think that he fights very similar because he does rely on his hands a lot. I think this is going to be a very, very solid fight. Yair is a minus 165. Mm. Emmett's a plus 140. That seems fair. Pad, taking a look at their fight cards. Yeah, so uh, Yair Rodriguez in 18 professional matches has a record of 14 wins, three losses, one no contest. One is on a, currently on a one-fight winning streak. Uh, he beat Brian Ortega uh, via TKO. It was a shoulder injury uh, in his last fight, which was in July of last year. Prior to that, he lost to Max Holloway via unanimous decision in November of 2021. Uh, then he beat Jeremy Stevens by unanimous decision in October of 2019. Uh, And then looking at Josh Emmett uh, in 20 professional matches has a record of 18 wins, two losses, currently on a one, two, three, four, five fight winning streak, uh, beating Calvin Qatar in his last fight via split decision. That was in June of last year. Beat Dan Ige via unanimous decision. That was in December of 21. Uh, beat Shane Burgos by unanimous decision. That was in June of 2020. Uh, beat uh, Mursad uh, Belkic uh, via TKO uh, in July of 2019. And then he beat Michael Johnson via knockout. Uh, that was in March of 2019. Last loss was to Jeremy Stevens via knockout. That was in February of 2018. And you brought up uh, Emmett being a Conor McGregor type that he throws his hands. I mean, I'm just looking at the breakdowns in his wins. He's got six by knockout, two by submission, uh, and 10 by decision. So, yeah, he's kind of that Connor type. Yeah, I mean, he'll stand in the pocket and throw hands with him. I mean, that's the one thing that will be exciting about this fight. Yair will stand with him. You're not going to see a lot of ground game going on here, which I like. But, 
I mean, Pat, who you got here? Uh, it's certainly not going to be a ground game because I, I was curious when those two submission wins were for Emmett. Uh, he has not had a submission win since October 3rd of 2015, uh, where he submitted a gentleman by the name of Rocky Johnson with an arm triangle choke. That was for a KOTC total elimination. And prior to that, his uh, last submission win was against a gentleman by the name of Mike Ryan at West Coast FC6 with a guillotine choke submission on August 3rd, 2013. Hmm. So something tells me this ain't going to be a ground and pound type of thing. Uh, But I'm going to say probably Yair Rodriguez, but it's going to be a split decision. Well, there's going to be five rounds, so I think somebody's going to get stopped. I'm going to take Josh Emmett in the upset. Okay. I think Rodriguez, I mean, he's a solid fighter. Don't get me wrong. But I think he's lucked into a lot of situations. I think Emmett came back from a horrible injury. He's definitely looking a lot sharper in the cage. Right. I think he's going to give Yair a lot of fits. I think that they're going to go back and forth a lot. I could see this being stopped late, though. Like, we're talking fourth, fifth rounds. I don't think it's going to be a boring fight by any means. But oh, I think God, no. But I think the first couple rounds, they're going to be feeling each other out a little much. First round's going to be a, a ballroom dancing uh, yeah. round. Yeah. So it's going to start slow. So you got to remember that when you're watching this, that I wouldn't expect anybody to get a first-round knockout. I mean, it could happen. But if you're asking me my opinion, I'm going to say I'll take a minute, fourth-round stoppage. But then we go to the main event. Yeah, so in the main event is in the lightweight division for the UFC lightweight championship uh, between Islam Machekov uh, taking on Alexander Volkanovsky. All right, so let's talk about this. Pad, you got Machev's record. I do. So Machev in 24 professional matches has a record of 23 wins, one loss, currently on a, good Lord, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 fight winning streak. Uh, last three wins, because I don't want to read all, like, all 11. Yeah, you don't need to. <laughs> uh, Char- was, last three wins was against Charles Oliveira via tri- arm triangle choke submission. That was in October of last year. Uh, Bobby Green, who we beat via TKO, that was in February of last year. And then Dan Hooker, who we beat via with a Kimura submission, that was in October of 2021. What, what I will tell you uh, is his last loss was to a gentleman by the name of Adriano Martins, uh, who he lost to via TKO. That was at UFC 192 in October 3rd of 2015. Damn. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, you've got Alexander Volkanovsky, who in 26 professional matches has a record of 25 wins, one loss, currently on a God damn. Uh, his, it's a long list. Uh, yeah. His his last loss was to a gentleman by the name of Corey Nelson, who he lost to via TKO. It was a head kick and punches for Australian FC5 on the 10th of May, 2013. He has won as he was uh, 3-0 at the time, now then 3-1. and He has won every fight since, so he's on a 22-fight winning streak. Uh, Last three fights were to Max Holloway, who he beat via unanimous decision. That was in July of last year. Uh, Korean Zombie, who he beat via TKO at UFC 273. That was in April of last year. Uh, And then Brian Ortega, who he beat via unanimous decision. That was in September of 2021. So if you're catching up to speed, Volkanovski has been the pound-for-pound champion for quite some time. Yep. He is stepping up after cleaning out the 145-pound division <laughs> to face Islam Machev, who has been the heir apparent of taking over the reign from Habib. Like, yeah. he fights a very similar style. 11 wins by submission. Yeah. This is going to be a clash of very, very high-skilled fighters. On the flip side, uh, Volkanovski, 12 wins by knockout. Yeah. 
So, and what makes this even more interesting is Machev said he goes, he'll fight Volkanovsky in Australia, his home country. Oh, shit. So, he basically is saying, I am, and I love this about No his, fear. I love this about Machev. I think this is brilliant. He's like, I have no fear. I am ready to smash everybody. I'll fight you in your hometown or your home country, and I'll defeat you in front of your crowd. Like, it's such a heel move in wrestling. I love this. Oh, that's that's brilliant. And Volkanovski is not backing down because at this stage, it's like, where else do you go at 145? I mean, yeah. sure, he could have honestly fought Rodriguez. I, I could have seen that fight happening. But sure. I love it. He's like, nope, it's time to step up. This is a challenge, and this is a real challenge. Yeah. Pad, who you got? I'm going to say Volkanovski. I mean, just the, you when you, it's really something like this. No disrespect to Islam uh, Machekov, uh, you know, but when you clean out a division, and I mean, I'm looking at his record uh, for Volkanovski. Uh, he returned to featherweight uh, against uh, Mitsu uh, Hirota at UFC Fight Night in uh, June of 2017. Obviously beat him. He's beaten Shane Young, Jeremy Kennedy, Darren Elkins, Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway in back-to-back fights. Yeah. Uh, you know, with six months apart. The first one was in December 2019 via unanimous decision. The second one was in July the following year via split decision. Brian Ortega, Korean Zombie, and then Max Holloway a third time. Yeah. So the man beat Max Holloway. Like, you beat Holloway three times in less than a de- less than half a decade? Goddamn, you're pretty goddamn good. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say this. If, if Volkanovski has a good ground defense that, like, he can prevent uh, Machekov from taking him down... Volkanovski all goddamn day. See, here's the that's going to be the big X factor. I love that you brought that up. We know what we're going to get on Machev. Machev is going to want to go for the takedown. Lay and pray. No, he's not going to lay and pray. He's active. He's very, very active on the ground. But the question mark becomes, can Volkanovski withstand the ground game? Right. And then on the flip side, is Machev ready to stand and throw some hands with Volkanovski? So let me just, because I'm not entirely sure, let me just run through, in his time in the UFC, let me just run through some of these names, and you tell me if they're decent with their hands and see if he's faced anybody quite like this. Okay. So this is since his UFC debut, which was on the May, uh, May 23rd, 2015. Uh, Leo Kuntz, Adriano Martins, Chris Wade, Nick Lentz. Lentz uh, is all right. Uh, Gidson Tabau. Uh, Glayson Tabau. Uh, Glayson Tabau. Uh, Cajun Johnson. Uh, Arman uh, Tsurukin. Davey Ramos, Drew Dober, Tiago Moses, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green, and Charles Oliveira. Hooker's solid. Bobby Green's good. I mean, he's he's underrated in my opinion. Okay. Oliveira, I mean, listen, Oliveira's a submission machine, but he's started developing a hand game. Right. So going by that perspective, I don't think so. No, I don't I don't think he's faced anybody with the hand games like uh like like uh Volkanovski. Plus, there's another factor that we didn't touch upon yet. Sure. Volkanovski was in some of the sickest submission attempts by Brian Ortega. And Ortega, that's his bread and butter. Oh, so he lasted five five-minute rounds against Ortega. Oh, he completely demolished Ortega because he was in one arm bar, which I still to this day have not figured out how oh, yeah. Volkanovski didn't tap. I remember that. Yeah, like we thought his arm was going to fucking break. Yeah. So put that same moment in front of your home country yeah do you think he's gonna tap out in front of Machev? hell no in front of everybody in australia let alone who's watching around the world hell like, no hell he's no. not gonna do this i mean i think 
this this fight will solidify him as the pound for pound best fighter. I think he's going to give Machea fits. I really do. I think that is if he can handle himself on the ground, like he's going to lose a couple rounds. This is going to go split decision. Yeah. But this is going decision. It's going Volkanovski. Oh, absolutely. I think that you're going to see a couple close, close, close rounds that could go either way. Yeah. I'm not saying home cooking on the judging. I just think there are going to be some really close rounds because yeah. both these guys are on that kind of level that you, you don't really know what's going to happen until you put them in the cage. I could see this going to a split decision, and I could see an immediate rematch coming from this. I could see it, too. I mean, I just think, listen, no disrespect to Islam, but Volkanovski is just so much more battle-tested, you know, because you just some of the names I mentioned, you know, Jose Aldo, he went three five-minute rounds with Jose Aldo. Mm-hmm. You know, he went uh, two, almost two full rounds with Chad Mendez, you know, and then he went he went 75 minutes. With Holloway, yeah, that's all. That's the kicker right there. You know, he went. So he went five, five minute, two, three, five, five minute fights uh, against Max Holloway and and won them all. Like, admittedly, one was split decision, but still comes up as a W. You know, and then he went uh, f- three full rounds with Korean Zombie, won in forty five seconds of the fourth round, but still he went deep into the game with Korean Zombie, and then he lasted five five minute rounds against Brian Ortega. One stretch in there, we almost got his arm broken. Yeah. You got to put that in perspective, but I tell you what, I like Volkanovski in this one. I do, too. This is going to be a wild fight, though. This is going to be a fight of the year candidate already. Oh, easily. Like, barring any kind of weird injury happening or eye pokage. Yeah. Like, we got to throw that in there for just reasons. Weird broken limb or something. Yeah. Is, Not hoping it. And yeah, right. Same here. As long as this doesn't have a weird thing happen. Yeah. I guess that's the easiest way to put yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a fight of the year candidate. I don't doubt this scene getting, being ran back. Uh, not saying Machev is going to go down to 145. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Volk is staying at 155 no matter what. And then we go from there because, yeah. man, there's a lot of headlines coming out of this one for UFC 284. A lot of headlines for the UFC and MMA in general this week. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag OTPHPod. What is your take about all the MMA news? Conor McGregor is coming back to the Ultimate Fighter. Fedor is retired. You have arguably the fight of the year candidate in champion versus champion for UFC 284. So much to talk about. Let's do it. But we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's Alan Dunford here from Top Hat Studios, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw, and you guys are listening to the ODPH podcast. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, what you got? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is obviously the local minute. We got to look at the Federal Prospects Hockey League because that is the league, of course, that our local Binghamton Black Bears play in. And looking at the standings of the Empire Division, Binghamton's still in second place. Hey, they're, hey. they're consistent. Danbury's still in first place uh, with a record of 25 wins, four losses, five losses in uh, five overtime losses or shootouts. Uh, and then Binghamton has a record of 24 wins, seven losses, and then two losses in shootout or overtime. Uh, looking at the schedule from this past week, uh, the Binghamton Black Bears played two games, uh, both of them at home and both of them against the Delaware Thunder. Holy fuck. Uh, they had the game Friday against the Delaware Thunder where they won by the final score of 8-2. to two. Hey, now. And then they came back Saturday and won the game 8-6. to six. 
Defense, hey. defense optional, yeah. apparently. Uh, looking ahead to their games, they have this upcoming week. Both of them are on the road. Uh, they play a game on Friday, February 10th at 7.05 p.m. Eastern against the Port here in Prowlers. Uh, and then Saturday, February 11th at 6.05 p.m. Eastern, they're on the road again uh, facing the Port here in Prowlers. They return home uh, to play a home game the following week, though. That is February 17th uh, against the Danbury Hattricks. Uh, so for more tickets, information, and all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. So, got some Binghamton Bulldogs news since we're keeping it uh, local. Mm-hmm. Uh, this past week, uh, you know, they came away with another W. The Binghamton Bulldogs defeated the New York Hoop Dragons mm-hmm. 108 to 94. And according to the Binghamton Bulldogs Facebook post, Binghamton stared, started the game down 27 to 7, entered the fourth quarter down 81 to 70, and outscored their opponents 38 to 13 in the last 12 minutes. God damn. Man, kudos to them. They are back at the number one ranking uh, for the ninth week in a row for the ABA Top 25 poll. So definitely a lot of things to keep uh, watching here for the good old Bulldogs. So definitely if you want to find out more information about them, BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or I recommend going to their Facebook page. They're a little more active on there, in my opinion. But before we sign out of here, we got to talk some wrestling pad. Yeah, we do. We are the ODPH. This is what we do. We are the ODPH. This is what we do. We got to talk a little bit of baseball quickly. Uh, oh, beca- that's right. Yeah, because it was announced by the LA Dodgers that they're going to retire the number 34 uh, jersey of pitcher Fernando Valenzuela uh, during a three day celebration this summer. Uh, so, reading from an article on ESPN.com, it reads quote, uh, Valenzuela was part of two World Series champion teams, winning the 1981 Rookie of the Year and Cy Young Awards. He was a six time all star during his 11 seasons in Los Angeles from 1980 through 1990. Uh, he will be honored from August 11th through 13th when the Dodgers host Colorado. Uh, Valenzuela will join Pee Wee Reese, Tommy Lasorda, Duke Snyder, Gil Hodges, Jim Gillum, Don Sutton, Walter Alston, Sandy Koufax, Roy Campanella, Jackie Robinson, and Don Drysdale with retired numbers. Uh, quote, to be part of the group that includes so many legends is a great honor, Valenzuela said, but for also for the fans. The support they've given me as a player and working for the Dodgers, this is also for them, close quote. So, hey, kudos to him. Yeah. Fernand, uh, Fernando Valenzuela, if you don't know, phenomenal player. Legend. For the Dodgers. I believe there was an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on him uh, called uh, Valenzuela Mania or something like that. Look it up. It's on ESPN Plus. You can probably find it on Disney Plus because I think they added all the 30 for 30 documentaries onto Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Look up Fernando Valenzuela. It's a phenomenal documentary. If you're not familiar with him, you should get familiar with him because it is amazing. Also, because I just remember, we got to mention another thing for baseball. Uh, you've got the MLB The Show game coming out uh, relatively soon. I think it's within the next month or so. Uh, they announced just the other day that they're going to be doing a uh, partnership with the uh, Negro Leagues Museum, and they're going to be doing like a storylines type of thing with some famous uh, Negro Leagues players, including Satchel Paige, Jackie Robinson. Oh, awesome. So you're going to be able like seeing cinematics and playing as those players during their time in the Negro Leagues. So. Mm. A phenomenal move by the folks over at uh, San Diego Studios or uh, uh, and the folks over at PlayStation to make the games. Phenomenal announcement from them, and I think it's a very well deserved honor. And, and get those guys, some of those guys featured because a lot of those stories aren't known by baseball fans at large. Yeah, no, that's awesome. They're doing that. Yeah, uh, and then we obviously got to talk a little bit of wrestling because uh, the road to wrestle to the roads to WrestleMania is on the way. Uh, you know, and we had Monday Night Raw last night uh, where the uh, final. Um, 
two qualifying matchups for the Elimination Chamber match for the WWE United States Championship took place, uh, where you had Damian Priest and Montez Ford cash their ticket, I guess you could say, for the Elimination Chamber. So your men's Elimination Chamber match is Austin Theory defending his belt against uh, Seth freaking Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest and Montez Ford mm-hmm. looking pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and then on SmackDown uh, last week, you had Natalia and uh, emerge victorious to qualify herself for the uh, women's elimination chamber match. This is for a uh, raw women's championship match at WrestleMania 39. Uh, and then the final qualifying match was on Monday night raw with a fatal four way between Carmella uh, between Carmella, I know Piper Niven was involved, and I'm blanking on the other two, so I forget. Uh, oh, it was uh, Mia Yim and then Candice LeRae, uh, and you had uh, Carmella emerge victorious. So your final uh, lineup for the women's Elimination Chamber match is Asuka taking on Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Raquel Rodriguez, Natalia, and Carmella. Okay. So that's looking good. Uh, and then also that was announced on Monday Night Raw last night uh, because of the events that took place. Uh, during the Royal Rumble, and obviously I think a lot of us saw this coming, you're going to have F, Edge and Beth Phoenix, almost merged those two names, taking on Finn Balor and Mommy. Hey. Rhea Ripley. They're putting together a nice card for the Elimination Chamber. They really are. They also teased, uh, you would think that Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley are going to be WrestleMania. Apparently it might not be, you know, hard to say. Uh, Brock Lesnar did come out on Monday Night Raw last night, you know, Cut a little bit of a promo talking about how Bobby Lashley's been dominating his thoughts. He goes, you know, I can't get my mind off Bobby Lashley. I go, you know, now keep in mind, this was from Orlando, Florida last night. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he goes, I I went ice fishing. He looks at the crowd and goes, y'all know what ice fishing is, right? And he just laughs. He goes, hey, don't worry. I like, I like uh, deep sea fishing too. He goes, I went ice fishing. I couldn't get my mind off Bobby Lashley. He goes, I went hunting. Couldn't get my mind off Bobby Lashley. I went hunting. Couldn't get my mind off Bobby Lashley. I went to bed with my wife, and four or five hours later, I couldn't get my mind <laughs> off Bobby Lashley. So you're like, Bobby Lashley, I got a proposition for you, and I need you to get your ass out here right now. So Bobby Lashley comes out. They have a little interaction back and forth, and Brock Lesnar proposes to him. He's like, hey, got a contract right here. You versus me, elimination chamber. And Bobby Lashley looks at him and goes, you know what? I'll consider your proposition. But because and he runs through their history and recently of, of matches, he goes, you know, I've kind of beaten you a lot. Of, I don't know if I necessarily need to do this. So I'm going to look at this. My manager's going to look at this. My lawyer's going to look at this. My publicist is going to look at this. And I'll let you have your answer. Brock Lesnar then F5'd him twice and left the ring. So might happen in Elimination Chamber, might not. Uh, but we'll end up seeing the Elimination Chamber shaping up to be one hell of a card. Yeah, I mean, they've been doing a lot of things right lately and obviously going to that main event of Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff to be super excited yeah. to talk about there. Uh, you also had, uh, what was it? You had uh, oh, Chelsea Green uh, wrestle match against Asuka, which, good God. Uh, <laughs> listen, Chelsea Green, I love her gimmick. She's basically a Karen. Yeah. Where she was talking towards the start of the show, she's talking to Adam Pierce, and she goes, uh, excuse me, I wanted uh, sweet Swiss chocolate. And uh, French water, and I got Belgian chocolate. And trust me, I know it's Belgian chocolate because I've been to Belgium, and it's not Swiss chocolate. I love the character. It's absolutely fucking hysterical, and she's crushing it with that role. Uh, she felt slighted. You know, I, you know. hey, listen, I should be in the women's elimination chamber match. You should give me an opportunity to qualify myself for that match. And, and Adam Pierce went, okay, I'll, I'll give you a match. You know, I'll, you know, I'll give you a match. You know, go out to the ring. Goes out to the ring, and then Asuka's music hits. 
Yeah. So, boy, that was something. And then you had the main event uh, where Becky Lynch took on uh, Bailey uh, in a steel cage match. Obviously, damage control got involved because, hey, it's damage control. Uh, but Becky Lynch got a little bit of help, as she was alluding to. A uh, certain uh, Hall of Famers music kit, Lita. Yeah, this was cr- completely random. Yeah, Lita showed up. So what comes from that? Not entirely sure. Uh, also, we uh, got to know, most importantly, it looks like we got a little reformation of a tag team. The Hurt Business. I love this. Because you had the Alpha Academy take on Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin. Got to know, in their corner and, and on commentary during this matchup, MVP. So it looks like the Hurt Business is uh, getting back together. Not officially, because they have, they didn't come out as the Hurt Business. They were introduced as Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander with MVP, accompanied by MVP. But it looks like the Hurt Business is back together. Bring them back at Mania. I'm there. Oh, please. I'm so freaking there for please, that. Please, please, please. Uh, and then lastly, and maybe leastly, uh, Baron Corbin has been let go by JBL. Uh, he lost. So J- uh, Baron Corbin had a matchup with Dexter Loomis, uh, who Dexter Loomis was merged victorious, and, and Baron Corbin uh, was despondent. He was like, hey, listen, I can change. I can get better. And JBL goes, listen, all you're missing is some large shoes and a red nose because you're a clown, and I don't have time. For, hey. And I don't have time for clowns. So I'm not sure where they're going with this, but, hey, uh, I got a gimmick for Baron Corbin if he needs one. Uh, Pat McAfee, to quote Pat McAfee, bum-ass Corbin. You never know what's going to happen there with him. This is true. I mean, anything's possible about that. But I mean, Monday Night Raw was a was a really solid show, top to bottom. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of storylines. The, the, the promo between Paul Heyman and, and Cody Rhodes, yo, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I believe the WWE on USA YouTube account o- uploaded the whole thing. It's like nine and a half minutes. Yes. It is insane. It's well worth the watch. And for anybody that was really kind of questioning about, like, is Cody the right guy for the main event? Watch that promo and tell me otherwise. Yeah, you you can't say otherwise. You simply can't. But, like we say, we like to talk wrestling here. I was actually DM'd by somebody saying, you guys need to talk wrestling more. (laughs) Okay. Uh, No, legitimately, which are like, well, we are the ODPH. We talk wrestling. But if you want to hear more pro wrestling content, make sure to check out the latest edition of 607 TWS, The Wrestling Show where we kind of do a little more deep dive about some events going on this past weekend. It's a solid weekend of wrestling by far, but, man, that Monday Night Raw, we had to definitely discuss, too, especially yeah. now the Elimination Chambers are all set up. Solid-looking card. Yeah. Like, we can't Very. emphasize enough for, like, for being always considered a throwaway card. Well, and especially you got the in-between the Rumble and then Mania. You know, it was Fastlane for a couple of years. You know, it's always kind of that, like, throwaway. Oh, it's, you know, we just got to set up some last-minute storylines or some last-minute matchups for Mania, but this one actually shaping up to be like a can't-miss card. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. So we're definitely going to be talking about that more as it's coming up. So definitely stay tuned for that. Yeah. And to close out this edition of the ODPH, there's a game that's happening this Sunday Mm -hmm. that's hailing from uh, Glendale, Arizona. Yep, the State Farm Stadium. Yes. Uh, Kickoff 6.30 Eastern Standard Time, uh, 4.30 Mountain Pacific time mm-hmm. on Sunday, February 12th. Rihanna is set to perform at halftime. And this is the game that I think everybody is really, really looking forward to. It mm-hmm. is the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Dun, 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 dun. We, we should have like dramatic theme music. But <laughs> in all honesty, this Super Bowl, I don't, to me, and Pad, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. Does this kind of feel like lackluster? I mean, I'm excited to see the game. I'm excited. Yeah, for, same here, same here. I'm excited for the commercials. Uh, I have already seen the Breaking Bad commercial. God damn it, it's an early contender for c- commercial of the, the, the night. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks, if you haven't seen that commercial yet, avoid it at all costs because it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, but no, I'm excited for the game. I'm excited for the commercials. But in terms of like, I am chomping at the bit to see this. 
not really. I'm excited to see because it's Jalen Hurts taking on Patrick Mahomes. You know, it's the battle of the Kelsey brothers. You know, either way, their mother wins. Yeah. You know, but in terms of like, oh, my God, this is going to be one of the greatest matchups of all time. This is one we're going to be talking about for decades. Not necessarily. Could it end up being? Yeah, maybe. It could end up being that way, but obviously it doesn't really have a sizzle of like a rivalry game. Right. It, it, it just it's it's lacking something. And it's nothing to take away from the Kansas City Chiefs who have won the AFC conference. Albeit though, uh we were very vocal about uh it's good to play at home. Yeah, this is true. Uh you know, just a lot of things just happen to f- to fall in their favor. Not saying yeah. anything fishy happened, just you know, when they're at home it just seems like luck is on their side a lot. Mm-hmm. And obviously they played through a lot of adversity and injuries to get where they are. Their wide receiver core is very banged up for this as much as uh, yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah. So this is going to be an interesting scenario for them because they're going to be facing a proverbial juggernaut, yeah. if you will, in the Philadelphia Eagles who won the NFC Conference, yep. uh, defeating the San Francisco 49ers, albeit though with no quarterback for yeah. three-fourths of the game, to yeah. put it mildly. Pretty much. Uh, so Philadelphia did what they needed to do with Jalen Hurts leading that offense into Arizona. The point spread is Philly, I believe, is favored by one and a half. Yep. Over under is 50. 51. Oh, 51 now. 51. So went up. I mean, that's one thing, too. If you are going to be legally betting on this game, you might want to keep an eye on your point spreads. Philly is going to be the home team. Uh, Kansas City is the away team. And Kansas City is wearing white jerseys. Do with that information what you will. Yeah. If you know, you know. So that said, Pad, what's your feelings on the game and who you got? Uh, so a kickoff, not that it matters because it's a dome stadium. It's going to be 65 degrees uh, with partly cloud, partly cloudy. Again, do with that information what you will. Uh, we're looking through the injury report. Uh, you've got Willie Gay, linebacker for the Kansas City Chiefs, listed as questionable. Nicole Hardman, uh, one of their wide receivers, listed as injured reserve. Uh, Kadarius Tony, one of their wide receivers, listed as questionable. And also Juju Smith-Schuster, one of the other wide receivers, also listed as questionable. Uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, well, they got nobody. Yeah. There's nobody on their injury report. This is as of uh, this recording. Uh, this obviously could change if you're listening to this the day after it comes out. So, hey, don't come yelling at us when you said, well, the Eagles got this player on injury report and you didn't mention it. Stop. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Uh, nobody's injured for the Eagles. Uh, in terms of who's going to win this game, I'm going to say, I listen, I can't pick the Philadelphia Eagles for obvious reasons. Yeah, I, I got no love for them. Listen, uh, to the Eagles fans, I apologize. But, hey, listen, for obvious reasons, I can't pick the Philadelphia Eagles, so I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's going to be – I'm going to say by – I'm going to say by one score. By seven. By seven. I'm going to say by seven. Okay. I am going the opposite of you because I can't willingly root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I can understand that. Yeah. Same being, reasons I can't root for the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, we're being honest with our fandom. So – uh, I can't root for Kansas City. I don't really hate Philadelphia that much. I, I do. Uh, see Super Bowl 52. Yep, I was going to say Super Bowl 52 definitely stings out. There, the are, there are two words with that Super Bowl that I absolutely hate, and I will put you through a table if you say them. I'm not saying them. I know. I, I'm, I'm being respectful. See, I'm being respectful. Uh, it's blank special. That's all I'm going to say. Yep. Ah. Uh... That being said, though, I really think Jalen Hurts is going to be the X factor of this game. Probably. And I think that he is ready to ascend to that level of elite quarterback. Not that he hasn't done a great job this season, but you need to win the big game to really kind of put the exclamation point on that. Mm. Patrick Mahomes is banged up. He has basically half an ankle he's standing on, and it's his throwing ankle. Yeah. So he can't put any pressure on it, really. The Philly defense is going to hit him and hit him hard. And they're going to knock them around. They're not afraid to, you know, really take some shots. And like I say, they play physical, which 
Kansas City away from home is a different team. Yes. So they're going to need to adapt and really figure this out. Travis Kelsey will keep them in this game, and I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to take Philly. If I have to make a point spread game, I'm going to take them 27-24. Spagnolo, Steve Spagnolo, who is the defensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, is going to have to draw up like the most perfect defensive game plan of his life. Yeah. Because, listen, I'm going to give some credit to the Eagles. That is a multi-headed monster of an offense that he's going to have to contend with. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got Jalen Hurts, who's a great quarterback and very mobile and can run and throw. Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I mean, we can't forget they get the one-two punch at the running back. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goder at the, at tight end. You know, so that that is a multi-headed monster he's going to have to deal with. And for Kansas City to win, you're going to have to do something with that offense because it's like, oh, we're going to double cover A.J. Brown. Well, they've got like four other guys they can go with. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tall task for him. But, hey, Spagnuolo's drawn up some buttes of a defense before. Yeah, he's been there before. No, no disrespect, Matt Pad. But he's been there before. He knows what he's doing, so he'll keep them in the game. But I think this is where Jalen Hurts really excels because he's playing healthy. And I think that's the big factor coming into this. Patrick Mahomes might say he's 100%, but we all know he's not. Right. He can't run. His wide receiver core is trashed right now because they're all injured. The only one healthy is Kelsey, and that's with an asterisk by it because his yeah. back is all spazzed out. say Spagnuolo, we got to also note, and I do this begrudgingly, Steve Spagnuolo was also has a thing for multi-headed monster uh, and defensive coordinator jobs. He was a defensive coordinator for the Giants during a certain Super Bowl I don't like to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, he knows what he's doing. He's, he's dealt with multi-headed monsters. Yeah, that's why I say I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. Uh, that's why I say I think the 51 uh, points were probably right on the money. Probably. But that's yeah. why I say I think it's going to be a 27-24 game. I don't, like I say, it's going to be close. It's going to come down to a late field goal. Yeah. And then we go from there with that. But it's going to be a great game nevertheless. Like mm-hmm. I say, if, if you have a team that you're rooting for, sure, you're a little more invested about this. But I just think, like, they don't really have any sizzle with this. No. The brothers playing each other, uh, Travis Kelsey uh, for Kansas City. That's t- cool. T- taking on his brother, Jason Kelsey. That's cool. Yeah, like I say, the brothers playing each other is kind of an interesting play. Yeah. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, there's, there's there, what, Andy Reid facing his old team? But, yeah. I mean, he's so far removed from it, you don't. Yeah, I mean the only the only cool thing about the uh, Kelsey brothers matchup is the one I want to say it's Jason. His wife is like thirty eight weeks pregnant. Yeah, and her OBGYN is traveling with her. Yeah, smart. You know, so that that I saw that was like, well, that adds an interesting twist to the whole thing. But like, no, like it's it's not necessarily like a Brady versus Mahomes. You know, old generation, new generation. You know, it, it's not. You know, it, it's it it just doesn't have that sizzle. No, like you said, like it's it's it should be good, and I don't think it's going to be a stinker because these offenses are just too damn good for it to be a stinker. Agreed. But I I just think in terms of like if you tell if you ask me in like five ten years to go through some of the greatest quarterback or not even quarterback uh, Super Bowl matchups of that I've seen, this one might not get mentioned right away. No, that's the one thing about this. The take home that we'll give you with this episode is. Go have a party with your yeah. friends. Uh, drink responsibly. Please. Don't drink and drive. Bet responsibly, too. Bet responsibly, too. I don't want no DMs on Twitter saying, you guys said to bet, and you guys gave all this this uh, betting information, and I lost I lost the equivalent of my mortgage. Like, I'm not held responsible for that shit. That's on you, my guy. Yeah, exactly. Don't bet what you can't afford to lose. That's all, That's been our, sta- uh-huh. our statement since day one. I think I got to put that back on the website this weekend. 
But that's the thing. Just go celebrate the end of the NFL season. We've been talking about it the entire run, as we always do here on the ODPH. Yeah. It's time to just get together. We're going to be having a big 607 podcast party yes. with our with our fam over at 3FN. Yes. And like I said, we're just going to be celebrating the game and just celebrating the commercials and just celebrating life. So that's the thing with this. Just go in with the weekend, have some fun with it. And, you know, obviously we'll be recapping it next week on uh, the episode. And if you need something to tide you over uh, until the game on Sunday, I highly recommend you go check out the Let's Go podcast with Tom Brady, uh, where they had a a retirement uh, episode, I guess you could say. From all intents and purposes, it sounds like he's done. He sounds like he's done. He he knows he could play, but he doesn't want to. Yeah, we haven't talked about this because, you know, we're still waiting to see he's officially, officially Yeah, I would say we're not going to go into – the reason we're not going into the whole long-winded, you know, goodbyes, hey, we did it last year. A lot of the reasons a lot of players didn't give him a long when it goodbye we did it last year you know but it sounds for all intents and purposes he's done i highly recommend you go check out the episode uh available on all podcasting platforms uh because one person that is uh featured on the episode bill belichick yeah uh and all i'm gonna say is to anyone who ever said that there was some you know rift and brady and belichick hated each other go fuck yourselves because i feel vindicated uh for what was said between the two on the podcast now they stay both of them admitted they always didn't see eye to eye, but over the course of 20 years, who does? Yeah. But there was love between them and, and friendship between them for all of those years. So for all of you, uh, especially at ESPN and uh, in Boston and New England sports media who wrote all these books and all these articles, oh, my God, Brady and Belichick hate each other. They can't even have meetings together. Go fuck yourselves. Well said, Pat. Feel, a lot of Patriots Nation feels vindicated. Well said. It'll make up for the Philly special. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's all we got for this week. So for the only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Kenham. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast. We'll see you next time. Gotta beat down to the punch. Gotta beat down to the punch. Cause they can't bring